Shall we begin? Naked Chicks and Taco Trucks podcast. I'm here with. I'm here with. Steve. I didn't know that was the name. That is the name of the, the podcast. Naked Chicks and Taco Trucks. Um, yeah, I'll be good. Can um, explain where we are. Yeah, we are at the uh, the Good Wait, Life it's your show. Hey, yeah, I'll explain where we are. Well, yeah, we're at the Good Life Bar, um, and uh, I'm here with Steve Gates, um, and we kind of met on Twitter. Go ahead and plug your Twitter handle. Well, I changed it recently. For years, it was under the name Hit That Dive and the number one. Um, and I had been known, and I guess I kind of am known for a number of things around town, but the dive bar guy. Okay. And at some point, it's a cool moniker, and I enjoy dive bars and have my entire life, but I thought nobody really knew who the person was behind it. So now it's at Steve Gates and then the number 62. So okay. it's actually under my own name. I used to go by... It was hit that dive one, but then it would go under Scuba Steve, and then what we realized, what I realized was that that was becoming somewhat of a hindrance in my okay. life, but I, I sort of had to live up to this online party lifestyle, Okay. It, which I generally, none of it was so, fake. So, so kind of like Van Wilder, sort of... Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. So, okay, the... the uh, the mythos was greater than... Uh, it became to the point where it's becoming detrimental to my health, I believe. So <laughs> I had to dial that back a little bit. <laughs> oh, I can only accept so many shots when I'm out. Exactly. You know, oh, it's right. you. Let me buy you a shot. Or wings or pitchers of beer. Right. Or all these things I'm completely for. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you, but know, you can only say no. You know, I mean, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah, because up to that point, the closest I've ever come to saying no is not now we're landing. So... <laughs> So this was all new territory for me. <laughs> and I stole that line from Cheers. That was from <laughs> That's Malone. okay. That's, that's a Norm. Is that a Norm Peterson line? That was a Sam Malone. Oh, a Sam Malone line? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, um, so we kind of hit it off on, just to give you guys some, some background, we hit it off on Twitter um, about a year ago. Yep. Um, time. Be- because um, my San Jose Sharks were in the playoffs, and so were Steve's Penguins. And so we kind of went back and forth, and then lo and behold, they end up in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Which was uh, yeah. totally unpredicted by both of us. Yeah, we, none of us, I think we were both kind of saying, like, no, there's no way. I'm kind of like, we're never going to get past St. Louis. And, um, but, yeah. Uh, I didn't think the Penguins could get past themselves, let alone four other teams. Yeah, so. especially what uh, with the... With a brand new rookie goalie, Matt Murray, who's still yeah. technically a rookie, this year, who yeah. could win Rookie of the Year, even though he has a Stanley Cup under right? his belt. A weird thing about hockey, which is why I love that sport. Yeah, because uh, you have to technically play a full season as a starter, right? right. Or, or at least half the season. I think he had 18 games in as a rookie, and then the playoffs game. And okay. uh, we're not. Are we allowed to talk about this on your boobies and taco trucks? Yeah, you're fine. Show? Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure if we were off topic already. For those that don't aren't familiar with me if you don't follow me on Twitter haven't heard me on uh, some of the energy radio stations I have a tendency to get off topic yeah, no, quickly and then I forget what I was talking you're about you're fine okay. like that's why we call it Naked Chicks and Taco okay. Trucks because we cover everything okay. in between like, I, we're not like a and I don't intentionally veer things completely <laughs> of course immediately for 
for the fun of it. It's just how I operate in life. So, yeah. if, you know, a cat with a puffy tail may run by here, and i got to run out the door right <laughs> That's so fine. Chase all the squirrels no. you want. I do. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, it, so yeah, that's kind of how we got to know each other. And then um, I discovered Steve's political leanings, and mine kind of matched up a little bit. And, which uh, is odd in these parts. Yeah. Which can tell you which way we lean. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit to the left. Yeah. A little bit. Not completely. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I was born and raised in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, just outside of the city, um, where they still use the term blue dog Democrats. And if you're familiar with politics these days, Joe Manchin technically still is a blue dog Democrat, okay. even though he mostly votes with Republicans anymore. But that area where I grew up, uh, heavily Union, heavily Roman Catholic, so the congressman I worked for on Capitol Hill voted pro-union 100% of the time, but also voted with the NRA 100% of the time and voted pro-life 100% of the time. Okay. Uh, today in Congress and, and today's political climate, there isn't a place for a guy like that who actually votes the will of his district. Um, remind me the name of the uh, blue dog we used to have here in, in Nebraska. Um, they called him, like... It might have been before my time here. Um, I moved here. No, he's, he just... He just named a bridge after him? They just he just retired. Ben Nelson? Yeah, Ben Nelson. Yeah. They kinda called it didn't they call him a blue dog? Well, they called him lots of other things yeah. too. Or I mean, a rhino or Yeah, I mean he, he, kind was, of... he was a reverse rhino. Yeah. Um, actually I used to fly back and forth every other Monday on a flight with Ben Nelson when yeah. there was a direct flight between here and there. So I got to know him and his wife pretty well and he seemed like a pretty good he's lucky. He took a lot of shit around here. Can I say shit on your Yeah, side? you're okay, fine. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> we're labeled explicit. Okay, awesome. Um, look the guy was uh, an old-school politician who voted, look, if you didn't like his politics 100% of the time, you felt pretty comfortable he was voting the will of what most people in Nebraska wanted. Yeah. Um, he didn't just lock, stock, and barrel, rubber stamp everything came through on either side. And yeah. That, to me, that's what a good politician is. The crap we have going on now, where you know how somebody's going to vote before a bill even comes out, <laughs> there's really no point in even being there. Don Bacon. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's a whole other subject. Yeah, <laughs> and I've interviewed Don Bacon several times on uh, twelve ninety KOIL, and the guy will tell you over and over again how I'm not a career politician, which is why you should vote for me. Yet every career, not a career politician, comes out and says the same thing. It's like he went out and bought a book, Politicians for Dummies, memorized three lines for it, and off he went. So he's following the Republican handbook, lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, or or yeah. the new guy. I mean, look, he's a career military guy. So mm -hmm. I mean, I would argue that you know you have been in the public service for most of your life and taken a lot of taxpayer money for doing it. And good for you. I mean, he was whatever he ran off at Air Force Stratcom. Yeah, I mean, so not that he's. And I've interviewed uh, the guy that he beat, uh, Brad Ashford, a bunch of times, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, we're doing good. You want to say hi? We're, yeah. We're, we're recording a podcast. Oh, that was pretty weak. Oh, it's right there. It's right, right there. there. <laughs> say hi. What's today's special, Kayla? Uh, chicken fried chicken and Nebraska nachos. Ooh, well, you better read up. Oh Isn't there a lunch special? Oh, there is one stuff, but those every day. Okay, that's here at the Good Life Sports Bar and Grill, uh, 180th and Pacific. Oh, man. Sponsorship? Yeah. There we go. I'll ask Chad. <laughs> In fact, I'll send this to owner Chad McMahon. There you go. I'd love to sponsor this on a All right. basis on a Friday. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll edit that out. All right. We'll edit that out. We'll edit. Yeah, edit and post. And how can people find you on Snapchat? Yeah. On me? Yeah, what's your Snapchat? Michaela Cornwell. Michaela Cornwell? With a C. M-I-K-A-Y-L-A. 
She takes the best selfies in, in Omaha. All right. Put a lot of work in she puts a lot of work he in it. Um, pretty hand. soon we'll have some cruise. Then he saw the snap that I posted. He watched me take it like four times. We're going to see some cruise selfies soon, right? Like yeah. When you, when you go. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Oh, and All then right. my Vegas trip will be on there too, which is probably not the best thing to put on my Snapchat. Sure it, it is. Sure. Well, I'll be looking. <laughs> yeah. Followers galore. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, like that I was said, the dirty old man section of the podcast. Yeah, like I said, I'm easily sidetracked. <laughs> All right. Um, well, yeah, no, so, like, well, I, I mean, like, those guys are rare, like the Ben Nelson types. And they never used to be, and that's, yeah. we had a guy, uh, Bob Michael, that just passed away a few months ago. He was the minority leader when I worked on Capitol Hill. Dick Gephardt was a majority leader. Michael was forced out in the Newt Gingrich overthrow of... Uh, what was a contract with America in 1994 and the 90, or, or, or 94 and 95. Right. Uh, the year the Huskers were winning the national championships. It was an odd year for everyone, I suppose. There we go. Um, but civil, there's a great article in, in several publications that civility really ended when guys like Bob Michael were forced out by guys like Newt Gingrich. And it became this, if you're not for us, you're against us mentality. Right. And, and honestly, that's not how things worked on Capitol Hill. Even in the mid-90s when I was there, you know, everybody would talk a big game on the floor of the house, and then afterwards we'd all figure out which bar to go to and figure out how we get this bill done. Right. In a way where everybody saves face and everybody's happy with what's in it. Yeah, the days of what, uh, that kind of started the whole sign pledges and yeah, this, um, this nonsense if of, you're a Republican, then you have to sign this contract right. and, and, and to, me, to vote this it's way. It's the opposite of what politics always had been, what it should be, what it was based on. Yes, you have your allegiances, and yes, you have your pockets of people that are going to stick together. Right. But as a general rule, if you're voted in by a constituency, uh, you know, if you're in Nebraska's second district, you should be voting the will of most of the people around here most of the time. Every now and then you're going to deviate, and that's, right. that's going to happen. But, you know, Don Bacon might as well just stay here, avoid town halls, and rubber stamp everything that comes through from the uh, zombie-eyed grandma starver Paul Ryan. Because, I mean, it's just, you know. <laughs> grandma starver got me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he looks like Eddie Munster. He does look like Eddie Munster. And for a while there, until yesterday, so this is March 10th, he came out with his his exhilarating PowerPoint. If anybody's ever tried to sit through a PowerPoint. Oh, no. It, it, was, it was like he was trying to sell a timeshare in... Uh, Colorado Springs. Up in Wisconsin? Right, but he's, he's, so we got the Speaker of the House doing a PowerPoint trying to explain how insurance works, and he got it completely wrong, yeah. but he was trying to make the argument that insurance doesn't work, that the healthy people basically pay for the sick people. That's ultimately exactly how it works. Yeah, exactly. That's why there are risk pools, and that's why there are, you know, employers have pools of people, because actuarial tables and everything else will tell you about 85% of the people will stay healthy, and they're going to end up paying for the 15% to get terminally and, that, and that's why there's a public mandate as a part of the ACA, right? Right. Like, because if, if without that, there's no way that the money works out. So, right. Um, so, otherwise Ryan, you got that completely wrong. Yeah, otherwise you're going to have to, what, triple, double, quadruple the premiums for older people. Wait, which and, is also going to happen. And, yeah. And then they're, um, they're so going to lose voter block is gone. They're going to lose a tax break. And I read a, an interesting article today as well that basically said when they start cutting into Medicare, which is also going to happen under this plan if it passes, the impact it's going to have on rural hospitals that are already struggling. Oh. Where, you know, so think about Nebraska, Iowa, people that are listening around here. Yeah. A lot of times you're nowhere near Omaha or you're nowhere near Denver if you're on the other side of the state. Yeah. So these rural hospitals are what keeps people alive. Oh, yeah. Well, if they lose their funding because the majority of the people that live in those areas are elderly above the age of 65 or on Medicare and that gets cut, what happens to these hospitals? Well, they're going to go under. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it's people hadn't even thought about that part of it yet. So our, our president, if I can already get onto that, 
that, you know, has has painted himself in a corner yet again. If this bill passes um, <coughs> as written, it, it's going to just kill the people he said he was going to help, which is you know. Right. Middle income, lower income, elderly people—they're going to—they're going to be screwed when it comes to right. their health care. If he doesn't, he then lied to the people that he said he was going to help out. So either way, this bill, as written, and I've tried to read it, and it's—it's it's laughable. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it passes or doesn't, he's already painted himself as a guy who sold one thing and is doing another. Well, but but I, if that surprises anybody, <clears> then <throat> I actually have a bridge in Pittsburgh I'd love to sell you today. <laughs> the bridges in Pittsburgh are pretty nice. It's a city of bridges. It, it, is, it, yeah, it, I, it has more bridges than any other city in the world. It, I, I've been there. Um, I went there for um, the, the first Winter Classic that was there when they played uh, Penguins and Capitals. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't come up. That, was, that doesn't, it never happened. That started the downhill slide of Sid the Kid for two two seasons, basically. Dirty Hit or Not by David Steckle. Oh, the, I was there. Yeah. I to mean, that, totally intentional. Totally. Yeah, I mean. And then he, he never should have, he, he should have been done then. So that was know, on January 1st, and then two days later he goes against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. Right. Victor Hedman, who is a large man, takes him into the boards yep. with what I deem to be a clean hit. But when you're already concussed yeah. from a dirty hit by David Steckel, and if anybody from Washington or if you're a Capitals <laughs> fan, you're listening, Steckel is dirty as shit on that oh, play. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was clearly headhunting behind, yeah. behind the play. Yeah. Um, so Sid gets hit by Hedman behind the boards, and basically he's out for the next year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that he never should have been playing after that first hit. Um, so this, the second one I sort of put on the Penguins organization, but yeah, anyways. he shouldn't have been out there. Yeah, and, he and, and, been. and you can't blame Hedman for that hit. He, you know, he yeah. rode him into the boards from behind the, the, the net, and all of a sudden Sid just crumples to the ground. And yada yada yada. A year and a half later, he comes back and then gets his teeth knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was four years ago. There was yeah. Jerome Aginla's first game as a Penguin. Sid takes one right in the chops, and he's out for another couple of weeks. So, poor Sid, but nobody needs to hear my tale. That's okay. I'm sure we'll post this, and we'll get all the Sid's a crybaby people and all that good stuff, you know. But, but that's okay, you know. Um, I respect the Penguins because I've actually – because I've been. I've, I've watched the game. I've seen them play. Um, and Pittsburgh – Pittsburgh is a really – Really nice city. Really good. Surprisingly nice. Yeah, really nice. We didn't think so like, growing up because it wasn't. It was a depressed city. And in fact, in the mid-80s, 40% of the population was physically forced to move out of Pittsburgh. So when people say, and this is a little sidetrack that I'm good at, when people say Steeler fans or Penguin fans travel well, well, mm -hmm. that's not the case at all. We're already there because most of the population had to go somewhere else to find work. Ah, so, so that's di the diaspora, if right. you will. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So growing up, my grandparents were from Croatia. Okay. So, you know, when people say, my grandmother was famous for saying, where are your people from? And if you didn't say Croatia, she'd say, that's okay, too. <laughs> but when you ask my kids where they're from, they'll tell you Pittsburgh. They've never lived there. Um, you know, they have family there. But to right. them, that's their homeland. So yeah. And, that, and Pittsburgh's got a, an old, hunky tradition. And, and those of us that have had to move out of the area for whatever reason have kind of made Pittsburgh our homeland, much like my grandparents made Croatia or Poland okay. on, on the other side. That's so home base. That's It's, it's where... If push came to shove, you would be there. You would live with all your friends and in a treehouse and drink Iron City beer and eat Pomani Brothers oh, sandwiches all day long. And okay. That's what you would do if you were I'll, from there. Yes on the sandwich, <laughs> no on the beer, but... It's a tough beer from a tough town. Yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, my first exposure to it was at that Oyster House. Oh, yeah. That's out there on uh, the Point area. Yep. And um, <laughs> this place has character. 
You got uh, Rocky Marciano, I think. Or, wait, what, there's some famous boxer murals behind the bar. I can't remember if it's Rocky Marciano or... The most famous boxer to ever come out of Pittsburgh that nobody's heard of is a guy named Billy Cobb. Okay. Until Joe Lewis, he was beating Joe Lewis on all cards through 14 rounds. Billy Cobb got cocky and went for the knockout, and Joe Lewis caught him in the chin, knocked Billy Cobb out, but he had Joe Lewis the champ beaten on every card through oh. 14 rounds. Best boxer out of Pittsburgh you never heard of. Okay. Ray Boom Boom Mancini we also claim. Okay. Uh, but he was from West Virginia, so we don't really talk about that. Too much. I gotcha. I gotcha. But anyways, yeah, the big mural. I want to say it's Rocky Marciano behind the bar. That could be. Um, you know, this great, like, you know dive bars. This Oyster House is like a total dive bar. And uh, <laughs> it's the faint smell of urine coming from the bathroom. Sounds about right. In a fish and, place in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, it's a fish place in Pittsburgh. Um, I got the, uh, oh, what did I get? The fried cod, which is pronounced completely different in Pittsburgh. How Sounds, do we say it? They say caught. It sounds like you oh, caught, well, I caught the fish. No, it's, ca- it's cod. Duh. There's a whole, you, you, were, <laughs> you were informed about Pittsburghese, correct? Uh, yeah, yens and uh, yeah, I mean, all, yeah. If you order a jumbo sandwich, what are you getting? Oh, okay. So the, that, I, I've heard that term, but I've never known what that refers to, the jumbo. It's bologna. Bologna, okay. And then the other, I mean, it was funny because I didn't realize people didn't use the term sweeper. So I moved to Northern Virginia just outside of D.C. and I was asking guys I live with, I go, where's the sweeper? And they're like, the what? And I go, the sweeper. I go, the what? And I go, the thing that cleans up the floor. I mean, you mean a vacuum? I go, yeah, the sweeper. The sweeper. That was, it was known as a sweeper. Okay. A rubber band was known as a gum band. Yeah, yeah gum band. Gum yep, band. I heard so, that one. So yeah, we had our own, we have our own way of speaking yeah. in those parts. And my mom was really good about knocking it out of me at a young age. So I didn't sound like a typical yinzer, which yinzer. I know. But get me back to Pittsburgh. Give me a couple Iron Cities in me, and I can slide right back into that dialect. You wouldn't even know it's me. That's that's my uncle. Yeah, he's uh, he's the one who invited me out there and got to see the city. And it's a uh, it's a good place to be from. So yeah. uh, it's I, it's kind of another reason why Steve and I connected a little bit on Twitter is like politics and sports, and then just kind of the familiarity with Pittsburgh. I've done the Permani Brothers thing. Um, highly recommend it. If you're listening right now, look up Permanti Brothers, P-R-I-M-A-N-T-I Brothers, and then just go to a Google image search, and then let your mouth mouth water for the yeah. next, like, 15 minutes, because it is the world's greatest sandwich on, on fresh Italian bread, hand-sliced. I always go with the pastrami and cheese, and then they put coleslaw and french fries on top of that. Yes. If you know what you're doing, you get to the table, unwrap your wax paper, put a little trappy's hot sauce on top of the coleslaw, let it soak in, put it on, and just devour it. So. I, I, went, I went with the... Uh, the Capicola. Never and, a bad idea. Yet. And 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 I had to get the fried egg added to it. For fifty cents, you yeah. can't go wrong. The, the fried egg with the fries, is perfect. Yeah, so, no, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a ni- nice little town. Um, like to me, it had sort of the Midwest sort of mentality to it. People were super friendly, um, even to the Capitals fans that were in there and oh, stuff yeah, like no, that. No. Like like just like. You know, it, they weren't East Coast bastards like we like to think they are. Unlike unlike Philadelphia, where they'll they're just mean to you. Yeah. Pittsburgh people like to bust your balls and then buy you a beer. Yeah. So if you show up in a Capitals jersey, of course we're going to make fun of you. Yeah. And then we'll say, can I get you a beer? Right. And, and, and unless you're obnoxious about it in return, which 95% of the people never have been, it's just a fun time yeah. sitting around a bar with your buddies. He's got a jersey on of the team you don't like, and you're cheering for your team. You don't hate each other. You're just going to keep nipping at yeah, each other. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good natured, just ribbing. And because uh, at the Oyster House, there was, a, there was probably 50 50 Penguins and Capitals fans. Um, 
and uh, people were all decked out in their gear and stuff. And see, unlike it, Philly, where they have a great. jail in the stadium, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't need that. And they threw batteries at Santa, or they, they threw batteries. They booed at Santa, Santa Claus, Claus. On, on Christmas Eve or yeah. December twenty third. They booed Santa Claus. Yeah, so. and yeah. So that's what you get in Philly. So <laughs> never associate Pittsburgh with the other side of the state. That's true. Yeah. Philly, now Philly does have some great food. I'll give them credit where yeah. it's due. And I know a lot. Of, Philly, you just got to be tough. You know, Rocky Balboa came from Philly for a reason. You gotta sure. Got to be a tough dude. Yeah. All right, so that's a little bit about uh, kind of how we got together and, and uh, a little bit about some of the stuff that we bonded on. Um, the One of the reasons I wanted to have Steve on is just uh, the politics side of things. Um, Steve has a background uh, in, in uh, politics and um, kind of wanted to tell us a little bit of a story about a campaign that he worked on. Um, it was kind of a unique situation, and um, I don't know much about it, so I'm going to be hearing this story for the first time as well. So, uh, Steve, I'll let you kind of so, yeah, so this riff is, on it. This is a guy, uh, he was a nine-term congressman from the Pittsburgh area named Austin Murphy okay. that I worked for. Uh, in the early 90s, he was running against a guy named, what was his first name? Frank. Frank Nicolella. He was known as the candy maker. Okay. Because for a living, he made candy. He owned, okay. a, owned a candy store. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Nic- so Nicola, I don't. I hate to stereotype, but Italian. Or? Yeah, no, we would. Okay. Yeah, no, we we got some goombas in the oh, area. Okay, so, all yeah. right. <laughs> you don't have to stereotype with your last name, Nicolella. I mean, okay. my, I got a buddy Chicatella, and I got. I mean, I you know, I got people that have uncle, uncle, you know, Vinnie Boombots and everything. Yeah. Else, so was so this guy, you know, uh, uh, chopping the nose? He, he uh, dabbled in. He dabbled in a few other. A little connected. So. Okay. Yeah, and I, right. I mean, I had relatives on my mom's side. When you have a, a uh, whatever he is, he wasn't my uncle, but it was like my mom's cousin's husband, Nazareth Victoria, who dabbled in the import-export business okay. out of Sicily. You don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of uh, vowels in somebody's name. Just keep your mouth <laughs> shut. That's how I was born and raised. So anyway, so this guy's trying to figure out dirt on the guy I worked for. Well, everybody sort of knew what the dirt was. Was the congressman I worked for was married, happily married, had five kids in, in Pennsylvania, and was also happily married with a child in Northern Virginia. Oh, okay. Um, so Nicolella being savvy or sneaky, however you want, hires a private investigator to follow the congressman around. And, and one Thursday morning was garbage day in Vienna, Virginia, and the congressman in his robe is taking garbage out to the curb uh-huh. of this house. So they do a little investigative reporting on it and find out it's owned by a woman. And I'll, I won't use her name. I don't yeah, know yeah. if she's still around or not. Well, was his assistant uh, when he was a nine-term state senator in Pennsylvania. Okay. They had a child together. Okay. And the congressman spent Monday through Thursday at the one home with one family and the weekends and recess and everything else at home with his original family. Okay. So these pictures hit the press one day have a bit of a conundrum or a quandary as they would say because now you have proof this guy's living a dual life right and breaking the law uh well i guess they were never technically married oh okay so um, it wasn't official not a, another another a funny side note so this guy's got two wives one legally one maybe not legally okay um my wife then girlfriend wife soon to be ex-wife Gets on an elevator in the Rayburn building, which is one of the house office buildings on the house side on Washington, D.C. Okay. Caught the congressman making out with somebody else. So he's also cheating on his mistress. So he's a very prolific man for somebody wow. in the 60s. So. Okay. 
So anyway, so clearly, I mean, what's your instinct? You're you're running a campaign. You're working on a campaign where the guy gets caught with two residents. Um, what do you think is going to happen? What what is your guess about what happened next? We'll play a little uh, little talk show game here. Well, I would say you know your typical response is going to be deny, deny, <laughs> deny. These allegations are completely baseless. Um, but there are pictures of you at an address clearly that you had spent the night at. Oh, well, I mean, then you just say, you spin it somehow. You say, uh, you know, I was I was staying there for whatever reason, or you do something to try to spin it, I guess. You know, you, I don't know. You do, but here's, we were talking a little bit earlier about how we don't have old school politics like we used to, that people don't understand the will of their district. Yeah. What this guy did was sit and think for a minute. Well, everybody's pro-life. Not everybody, but a vast majority of the voting bloc is pro-life. They're uh, also Roman Catholic, right? So right. They're, they're anti-abortion just from the get-go. Right. So he crafts a statement. And uh, before I tell you what the statement says, what percentage of the vote do you think he won with that election? Uh, after it came so this out? Is, yeah, after it came out. So this okay. came out This came out between, so after the uh, primary, but before the general election. Okay. So I, I, I take that back because Nicolella wouldn't have run. So it, it came out before the primary election. But anyway, it came out like six to eight weeks beforehand. So, okay. So, you know, the timing was impeccable. The so guy he, sat on it. So he did win. He did win. I'll, I'll, okay. Um, and then you'll Paul Harvey the story. Yeah. Um, and now you know the rest, the rest of the story. The rest of the story. So he did win, uh, and the margin. Oh man, okay. Well, you know what? You know, I was kind of the whole reason this, you know, topic got started was is like I wish that, you know, politicians would just come out and own their stuff. But if he came out with a little bit of a spin, but basically owned it, um, maybe people found that refreshing, and maybe he carried. I don't know, 60, 65% of the that vote? That would be a good guess, and generally you'd be right. In both instances that year, he won with more than 90% of the vote. Wow. After this came out. Wow. So kids at school, if you're studying poli-sci or anything else, I have an undergrad in it, understand your district extremely well. What he did was come out and said, look, I could have done the wrong thing. Yes, I, I did make mistakes, I and I own up to them. I could have had this woman have an abortion, but I know that I'm against it, as my Roman Catholic faith tells me to be. I know you, as my voting constituency, are against it, and I decided to do what a man would do and have her have this child and help raise them to make sure that we have good, upstanding citizens, you know, no matter where they are. And people, I don't want to say ate it up. I mean, yeah. I, he wasn't lying necessarily. No. Uh -uh. Um, but again, the more you deny, the more... Once you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. He found himself in a hole and stopped digging and basically said what was going on. Right. Now, he might have been holding an apple pie in one hand and sure. waving a flag with the other. Yeah, his motives might not have been exactly that pure, but... No, and, and no, or, or he probably wouldn't have had a child to another woman. Right. But not only was that not detrimental to his re-election bid for, at that point, a seventh term, it, it helped him get 70 or 90% of the vote twice. That's insane. That's unheard of these yeah. days. Even with, you know, you name the most wildly popular... I mean, even a Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco isn't pulling 90% of the vote. Right, right. So, I mean, nobody does that anymore. No. So, so uh, again, understand if, if you're ever working on a campaign, if you're messaging for a campaign, if you're doing the press, your instinct is always to try and come up with your version of the story. 
I guess the moral of this whole thing, why we're talking about it, is understand the story first. Understand the people that have the power to elect you or vote you out. Right. And make sure you're speaking directly to them. Yeah. I'm not a Donald Trump fan, and it's going to end up biting him in the ass, but he spoke directly to people that wanted to be spoken to that the Clinton campaign didn't do, which right. is a lot of where I grew up, so in southwestern Pennsylvania. She couldn't speak to unions. She, she took them for granted that they were always going to be there. Right. Donald Trump came in with his blustery bullshit that's going to pan out to not really work. Right. But it was what people wanted to hear at the right time. Yeah. And it was enough for her to win. Never before had a, a Republican won everything but Allegheny County. She won from Erie, Pennsylvania, all the way down to Greene County, which is the entire border on Ohio. You know, it, it was victories like that for Donald Trump. And then Ohio, Michigan, yeah. Michigan Wisconsin. Yeah places where if all you were able to do was to speak to the middle class, as you said you are going to do, right. be able to speak to union voters, which aren't as big of a voting block anymore as they were when I was growing up, but still, you know, influential. Influ and, and, yeah. But I mean, had she been able to even remotely be able to talk to people like that in a way that they appreciated, she would be our president right yeah. now, not this guy. Well, and I, you know, and I think one of the biggest things that, that uh, sort of brought me around a little bit on how Trump, just just the strategy was brilliant. I mean, you can't fault his campaign. Um, they ran a they ran a smart campaign. Um, but 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 you see what running a smart campaign and then translating it into actual yeah. objectives and, and getting things done doesn't work. And this I'm a Washington. We talked about Don Baker. I'm a Washington yeah. outsider. It's a great campaign slogan. You need to start getting shit done at some oh, point. Oh sure. And at this point now we're we're what we're we're in March. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump keeps trotting out a, a, an outline of what he's going to do with no bullet points underneath any one of the things that he says he's going to do. Right. And if you're a Trump supporter and a Trump voter and you're not concerned now that you haven't seen specifics, I'm here to tell you you should be because there <laughs> aren't any. Right. Well, you, I mean, and that was for the for those of us that voted against him, we we looked at these platitudes that he launched out there, and we all went, how. Right. And 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 he never did answer the how. Not Still in, can't. Not in any of the debates. Not in any of the things that I saw. Um, look, looking at it, you know his website and all that kind of stuff, I never saw the how, which is why I couldn't vote for him. But you know, to to your point though, he knew what his base wanted to hear. He talked to that base really well, and then the other side unfortunately ignored that particular. Part right, of the but I mean, so. I'm a PR guy by trade, and the one thing is always you have the chance to lie to the press exactly once. The second time, they're not going to believe you. But, okay, but in this instance, you're able to lie to the voters exactly once. Yeah. Um, look, if I'm a if I'm a Iowa farmer that voted for Donald Trump in in the hopes that I was promised that he would repeal Obamacare, mm -hmm. ain't gonna happen. Right. What happens to that voter in three more years? Or if you're a Nebraska farmer who thought. You know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, you know, oh, well, he'll come around. And even uh, even our esteemed governor here, Ricketts, thought for sure, oh, he's not going to really ax that. Um, but that was one of the first things he did. Right. And, that, and that's going to cost. That's going to cost farmers. Or even, I mean, something is, is I'm not against the XL pipeline in, in any way, shape, or form. There's no great way to produce energy and electricity and everything else in this country. Right. If it's not going through a pipeline, it's going to go on a railroad that's going through downtown areas where it could derail and that would be a disaster. Sure. Where they're putting on tanker trucks on highways where a family whose mom's on the minivan or is on her phone in the minivan crashes into the thing and blows up. So well, I mean, you grew up 
coal country, it's coal steel country. Yeah. So you know, I mean, so. so I'm not against it, but it, you know, even Trump in his State of the Union, which wasn't the State of the Union address necessarily, yeah. So we're going to use 100% American steel on it. Well, the project already started, so it's not even. It's thank you. Don't well, don't you dare spill that. Oh, okay. Well, technically, the next pipeline. Right? The next pipeline. Not the XL. Right. Keystone. Right. One. Right. What? That one's already. Uh, well, they shot down the amendment that uh, Franken wanted to put on that bill, right? Al Franken wanted 100% U.S. steel on the XL pipeline, but that got shot down. And well, yeah, I mean, and coming from steel country, there's yeah. a reason it got shot down, because it's more expensive. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, but it's, if you're bring back jobs to America, Trump, how do you not... <laughs> How do you not... See, let's talk about that for a little bit, because the jobs he's talking about bringing back are exactly the jobs, and I talked about in the mid-80s in Pittsburgh, where 40% of the population had to move out. People worked for U.S. Steel. People worked for Westinghouse. They worked in factories. They worked in steel mills. Great, you're going to bring these jobs back. They have nowhere to work. All the mills right. are gone. Westinghouse oh. is a shell of its former self. Yeah, when, when I went to Pittsburgh, uh, it was it was Mad Ed. Yeah. It was all... It was all it was all, I mean, Carnegie Mellon had huge research places out there. The guy that just died um, two days ago, Dr. Thomas Starzl, who was not originally from Pittsburgh, he was from Denver, but moved to Pittsburgh in the 70s. Uh -huh. He revolutionized transplants. What Thomas Starzl did for the medical community helped keep Pittsburgh on the map. Oh, what yeah. Have they done? If, if they put all their eggs in, the, in making steel and, and coal basket, that city would be like Erie, Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. or a lot of these rust towns. But, but again, the Carnegie Mellons, the University of Pittsburgh, guys yep. like Thomas Starzl, turned the town from a very, very blue-collar coal mining. My, my former father-in-law is a retired coal miner. A lot of the families I grew up with, their family, their parents worked in the mills. Right. Those jobs aren't there anymore. But say you're going to bring these jobs back, you're going to bring them back to nothing. You're I didn't bring, even think about that. You're, yeah. You're going to bring them to a white-collar town. Pittsburgh is now basically San Francisco. Oh, yeah. You know, just way further east. Oh, there was tons. I mean, like, every all around the corner, there was either some type of university research facility or um, some sort of medical facility. I mean, like, I, or banking, banking's huge. Uh, you got, what? Uh, Sounds like Charlotte. P PNC Mellon yeah. out there. Um, uh, so, uh, and Pittsburgh had a lot of industry yeah, things, yeah. Like, like Heinz and, and Mellon yeah. and PNC and a lot of these businesses. So, I mean, Pittsburgh, for it's not a it's not a big city. Certainly by Nebraska standards, it's a big city. But, yeah. but by big city standards, I'm talking Chicago, New York, right. LA, Miami. Right. It, it's it's a nice it's a nice. The sidewalks still roll up around 10 o'clock around there. Oh, that was, in downtown that, Pittsburgh, yeah. That was the thing that I was like, kind of. We were there on a Saturday night and uh, trying to find a place to eat around 10 o'clock because we got in there late. And there was nothing open, and yeah. I was like, I thought this was a big town. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, it's a big, small city. Yeah. But, I mean, so so Donald Trump talking about bringing these, these manufacturing jobs back. There's right. no manufacturing going on in this country. Nobody's going to rebuild what it's going to take. Right. If, if we're going to rebuild something, let's rebuild the infrastructure. And the people that are looking for jobs in today's economy, let's train them to do what cities like Pittsburgh have figured out how to do, which has become relevant in the 21st century. Yeah. White-collar jobs. You know, the, the, the high-tech industry. That's where all this stuff's going to be. Teach people how to use computers. Nobody needs to know how to smelt anymore. Nobody needs right. to know how to deal with, with hot you know, iron ore to make steel because we're not going to do it. We don't have the money to rebuild the stuff that had been torn down over right. decades. Well, like, I, I know that, like, um, you know, people had that problem with Apple and the whole Foxconn thing, or Foxcom. Right. I can't remember exactly. Um, you know, they were talking about the people working in those conditions. You know, they, they live there, they work there, they work, you know, long hours for a low amount of pay and there was a whole thing about the nets around the building right suicide and stuff like that but 
I guess their manufacturing standards for these components that go into the phone are so good, so top-notch, that it would cost in the billions of dollars for them to recreate the same facilities here in the United yeah, States, mean, and then your phone would cost two, three, four times what it costs. Right. It's, so and, no, and nobody, so nobody's going to bring no, that it's, stuff it's, it's back not, it's, here. It's cost prohibitive. Bring manufacturing jobs back sounds good until you realize there aren't any, and right. there haven't been. I mean, I'm 48 years old, so when I was in high school in you know 84, 85, 86, um, not only did the mills in Pittsburgh close, they tore them down. Right. But what they did is rebuild on those facilities. They put in you know, shopping areas. They put right. in restaurants. They, they took a, a part of the city, which, God damn it, Omaha, figure out how to use the effing river around here. <laughs> you know, put a Bubba Gum shrimp company and do something. We've got a river that we're not using. Oh, uh, what, uh, what are we on? This, the third iteration of something? Uh, when I was there? here, it was... Uh, there was Rick's Boat Yard. Rick's Boat Yard, which then, I heard. And then Schlitz? Or, uh, or the, or no, no, it was uh, Stores. Stores, yeah. They tried to revamp the And now that's, beer they knocked it down. But what Pittsburgh figured out to do, up and down the rivers, and there's three rivers, which is why it's, you know, River Stadium used to be there. Right. They figured out how to revitalize along the waterfront yes. and turn it into something. Was Is it ever going to be a bunch of guys with their lunch pails and their blue collars going to work to make steel? No. no. But it's people. It's men. It's women. It's kids. It's anybody over the age of 16 that can have jobs as opposed to just being a guy right. in your 20s, 30s, 40s all, to go make steel. Because all the ballparks are down there. Yeah. The, there's a casino down there. Um there's a there's a couple there's like a science museum in that area. Carnegie Science Man. You talk yeah. about old money in Pittsburgh. Andrew Carnegie. Yeah. Now, if you live in New York, it's Carnegie, which you get you people have it wrong. It's not <laughs> Carnegie. It's Andrew Carnegie. I defy you to listen. I've been in Scotland, and that's where he's from originally. <laughs> Carnegie. And it's okay. Carnegie. I get it's the Carnegie Deli, but but he probably had to you know. D, uh, take the immigrant flavor off of his name. Well, perhaps. yeah, but it, luckily back in those days, there's so many immigrants, nobody gave a shit what anybody did, as long as you know, the beer was cheap and uh, right. you know, and, and your grandma passed along some home cooking, everybody was fine. But there's a big Scottish community in that area. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. there's a big everything. I mean, I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody. In Pittsburgh still, I mean, you have Polish Hill, you have the you have the traditionally Italian section, yep. you have the, the traditionally, uh, you know, you name an ethnic group. Yeah. There's an area where they all hang out. And it's not that the other groups don't like each other. There's just a certain comfort in knowing that you don't have to explain what Haluski is if you don't want to. Okay. You know, if you're Croatian, you understand that it's noodles and cabbage. But, okay. You know, Pierogi. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah no, but, but again, I, I, we just have don't, just don't just go Just don't go down to the bottoms, the area in Pittsburgh called the bottoms, uh, McKee's, uh, McKee's Rock. Well, I'm from McKee's Port. You remember McKee's Port? Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a rough part of town these days. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> It was... Dave Winger, who used to be on the radio here, Winger lived in McKeesport for a lot of okay. years, so he and I right. kind of have talked about that, but uh, yeah, you go in downtown McKeesport today, which is about 15 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, and my mother grew up in a town called Manesson, which is basically McKeesport, a little further down, uh, most notably Tony Dorsett came out of that area, okay. Joe Montana, you talk about the football players that have come out yes. of there, it's ridiculous, Yes. but I mean, again, I, I'm not afraid of... Man People talk about North Omaha being dangerous. Yeah. And it is, and I understand every now and then somebody shoots a gun at somebody else. Sure. And you ain't seen nothing. I mean, you go to type in McKeesport, Pennsylvania yeah. today. That's where I'm from. That's where I was born and okay. raised. And it was is. It, was it a little bit nicer back in your day? Or? It, it was one of those things when, when the mills were thriving. Uh -huh. It was probably like you'd see in a Christmas story. So, okay. like the mall that Ralph, or the department store that Ralphie went to. Oh, okay. It was one of those towns where everybody was dressed up. And Norman Rockwell. Nice. Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Everybody went to church on Sunday. Grandma made pot roast after okay. church. Uh, you know, wash day was Monday. You name the day of the week. Thursday, you got your hair done. It was very Norman Rockwell. Yeah. But then once those mills started going away, 
you know, people started moving out. Well, an urban blight too. So people yeah, started moving yeah. to suburban blight. People started moving from the downtown areas. They wanted a more, you know, uh, nuclear family set up for themselves in the '60s. So your your downtown areas became a little vacant, which a lot of then people started moving in that, that didn't work. And, and I gotcha. And you know, it was just you know, it was just a whole urban cycle of yeah. And and all of a sudden, before you knew it, this town that in the '50s. You know, you'd see Richie Cunningham from Happy Days sitting on the corner with Potsy. Right. Probably drinking a soda pop. And, and, <laughs> and, and now you see uh, people well, out there dealing crack. And, I'll tell you what I saw was a legless gentleman in a power chair with about the biggest big gulp I've ever seen sitting in his lap. I hope it wasn't and diabetes I, that took his legs. I was pretty sure it was. And, uh, <laughs> and I told my uncle, who was giving me a tour of the city, Get me the hell out of here. Yeah, no, it's, it, if you're not from there, it is a bit unnerving because, yeah. I, again, people around here will talk about North Omaha or even South Omaha to an yeah. extent. And, and you, until you see a, a Rust Belt town yeah. that has completely imploded upon itself, and again, downtown Pittsburgh has, has reinvented itself, but yeah. a lot of the smaller towns, uh, it'd be like if you went to, you know, to Va- if you lived around here and you went to Valley or if you went to Nebraska City. Okay. And, and it looked like. Or the apocalypse hit it. Yeah. But you're not going to have that because you didn't have the mills. There's not a one-to-one comparison I can even yeah. make. I mean, I, yeah, what did. I could probably do over the, once this goes out is put some pictures up of, of where I'm from, from Keysport. Okay. Um, and, and and show people that Yeah. people talk about, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Dude, when you don't have bootstraps right. because you were born into abject poverty yeah. from a family that had been in poverty before they were born, you know, it's and not. It makes we're not a nice and we're not talking about some trickle down money that's going to revitalize. No, these what trickles areas. down is sewers to the rats yeah. that live next to you. And yeah. so, and so, we're not. Yeah, I mean, so, so to to kind of circle back to your point, you know, to revitalize a place like that that once was thriving with those types of factory um, industry type jobs. It's just not going to happen. It's, 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 yeah. You don't have the, the skilled labor force anymore. The infrastructure is not there anymore. You don't have the infrastructure. Anymore. You don't have the money. Where's the money going to come from? Is right. it going to come from the government? Well, then, if it comes from the government, guess what? Every Republican now has to be up in arms about it because the government's funding some lazy ass who can't work. Right. Um, you know, and you're giving, yeah, you're giving people a handout? And I say lazy ass who can't work in air quotes if you didn't see that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it is a podcast. It is a podcast. <laughs> One of the greatest bumper stickers I ever saw was... Jesus never called poor people lazy. So, uh, you know, they're yeah. just, get a job, I understand, is a great mantra. Well, when, you ha- when you've lived in the streets, your resume probably ain't all up to that. Right. So you probably n- might not have even had a job before. Right. Uh, it's a little hard to walk into McDonald's and fill out a resume. Maybe you don't even know how to write. So, yeah. do people need help in Especially this Especially since Absolutely. McDonald's isn't going to build anywhere near your house. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, so, a lot of worked on Capitol Hill, there was a Popeye's chicken that had bulletproof glass <laughs> that you had, to, even during the day, you had to put your money on a little spin thing like they'd have it at a bank. Oh, they'd wow. spin your money around, they'd take your money and then spin your chicken around and you got out of there. Because you're like, <laughs> if they're giving me $8 worth of chicken behind bulletproof glass, I probably better duck and run. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, all this kind of goes back to sort of our, um, our political slant. And if you've um, been followers on the podcast for uh, a little while, or if you know Steve, um, you know, uh, you kind of know uh, his politics a little bit, and so I hope to that this interview, you know, kind of talking a little bit about um, what Steve knows about and uh, that interesting campaign that he was a part of. Um, and my point know, would be, just, even on Twitter, don't let this stuff die. I mean, guys yeah. like us are always around and available, and and not that I look for debate or argument, but every now and then there's a point of view that I hadn't thought of or, or Ryan yeah. you hadn't thought of, and and I, I welcome people that, and I appreciate the fact that I, I've got people that'll write into me on Twitter. 
would call me wrong or say, what, you didn't think about this. And there are times where yeah. I, actually I didn't. And of course I'm right, but, and they're wrong. But <laughs> The I whole point is to start a discussion. You know? yeah. Even though we came together on some like-minded ideas, um, you know, I, I don't want it to be like a big echo chamber. Um, no, in fact... And, and, uh, and you know, um, hopefully it kind of sparks a debate. You kind of hear some of these things, um, some of these interesting stories. And then, you know, um, hopefully, you know, I, th I think like a lot of times there's sort of this loss of expertise and this sort of idea that people can be an expert in their field and sort of give educated opinions, you know, versus, okay, I have to support everything with that. Like sometimes you can have experience like you do yeah. and be able to share that experience and that's meaningful yeah and, and then you know should i interviewed for a job and you know, the pr guys so i have an undergrad in political science and a master's in communications and i was interviewing for a job oddly enough in shenandoah virginia after i moved here but it was at the coors brewery uh, plant that they were putting in in shenandoah so it was okay. the first place outside of golden, golden colorado where they were going to make their own shenandoah virginia virginia not iowa no so no some no of no, you no, might no. Know yeah, that no okay shenandoah virginia and so I had to sit around with a bunch of these guys that are working for the company forever. And one guy goes, I got to stop you right there. He goes, he's never heard somebody that does a job like you that keeps saying the word they're proud of the work they do. I go, are you proud of the work you do? He goes, well, hell yeah. I work hard every day. I go, so do I. Because I'm not standing there with a wrench in my hand. Right. I mean, I don't do something that's challenging. I said, I said, I, I hell, I'm not going to get this job, so I'm going to say what's on my mind. I said, look, who I am and what I do is not for everybody. I pointed right at the guy. I go, look, I know I'm not for you. And right. I said, but what I do is something you can't do, which is why you hire people like me. I couldn't do what you do. You know, yeah. to, to, to say that I don't take pride in crafting something well or saying something well on the radio is idiotic. Right. If you don't take pride in what you do, regardless of what you do, Michaela, our waitress here today, mm -hmm. you know, she's a good waitress. This, yeah. you know, she's working to go on a cruise. You know, be, Take pride in what you do. It doesn't matter what it is. It's right. not insignificant or you wouldn't be doing it. Somebody wouldn't be paying you. And, and, and value that person's experience yeah. you know, and value their opinion because... They're t they might not have all the facts and the data and all that stuff and in this era of fake news and all this stuff we're, we're searching for. Can we do a whole thing on fake we're, news? We're searching for this truth and stuff like that. But you know what? Value somebody's expertise and their point of view. That's why like, I don't get how you can sit here and discount some of the things that you know these experts come out on and, and you just say, well, I have alternative facts. Well, the, the, the great, then why have expertise? The you greatest know, people you can hire are, and I know people that get very defensive because they don't want to hire people that make be smarter than them or know something that they don't. Yeah. The only people I would ever hire were people that knew things I didn't because if I knew that, I wouldn't need you here. You're hired for your expertise. <laughs> right. expertise. Yeah. I want you to be smarter than me because that makes us all better. And, and if I'm just going to say you're wrong every time, why did I hire you in the yeah, first exactly. place? So, yeah. no, I've always told, when I used to hire a lot of consultants, they're like, you're the greatest, you know, job we've ever had because I was like we're paying you to do your job right if I could do it or had a strong opinion of it I wouldn't need you but I need you and you're here so go do whatever you have an idea of what I want and bring it back when you're done and Good. I'm sure it'll look awesome that's that's the way it should be or you yeah. don't need to hire these people but that's a whole nother yeah topic. well so hopefully so hopefully you know you'll uh, <laughs> you'll value um, Steve's opinion a little bit and and uh, I wanted to bring someone who had more of a background in politics than I do um, I'm an armchair <laughs> kind of kind of observer like most people are but steve's been in the thick of it uh, been on capitol hill uh, done pr worked for campaigns and things like that so i thought you know bring a little bit of expertise to yeah. the situation so i appreciate your time happy to do it anytime i always yeah. love doing this stuff and so hopefully you know we'll we'll see what you guys think about it uh feel free to um we're on soundcloud but we're also 
Um, I just got approval for um, the podcast being up on Google Play, and we're pending approval on iTunes as well. So, um, so you should be able to search for us on uh, on Google Play, Naked Chicks and Taco Trucks. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll have I want to that shirt. We'll might have to change the name. Who knows? No. And then we're also on SoundCloud. Uh, as well, and then uh, Steve, I think, is probably gonna be revamping his yeah, podcast and might thing, put this out on. Yeah, on I did his. a thing a year ago called Radio Nowhere with another guy, and, and he and I had completely differing views on things, which I thought would make for a great podcast, and I think for a little time it did. Right. Um, just developed too many tensions and, and other things got okay. in the way, and uh, but I still think there's a value in getting, as, as Joe Spadia, who's the KMTV news director, said. When you guys were hyper local is when you were at your best, and I, okay. I think what happens, and, and you see it on Twitter all the time, KETV or WOWT puts a link out on Twitter about a story, and you're like, oh my god, and then you realize that happened in Phoenix, or it happened in uh, Portland, Maine, right? And, and there's a, even though we've got radio at KFAB and, and uh, twelve ninety, uh, they're talking national stuff, they're talking comedy, they're talking. You know, radio broad bits. topics, broad, broad, broad topics, topics. And, and I think people are start. And I think I know for a fact after doing Radio Nowhere last year, people are starving to hear talk about what's going on at 144th and Center, okay, as opposed to what's happening on Pennsylvania Avenue, okay. Um, and and so I hope to bring that back. I, I lost uh, through any number of things that have gone on in my life in the last 12 months. I lost a little zest there for a while. Okay, I think I'm finally at a point where it's back, and I think I have something to contribute again. So awesome. I'm looking forward to being able to do that because I. I I think in, in, in any small way where you can put a light on it, we have a big election coming up for mayor. Yes. Uh, and, and I don't think that's going to be covered the way that I would want to see it covered. And yeah. I can't be the only one, and you can't be the only one. So maybe we'll figure out a way to, to at least get inside the minds of Heath Mello and, and uh, Gene Stothard a little more. And that kid who's running that wants to bring an NFL team to town, who I, yeah. just, I just see his haircut and laugh. So I can't even remember his name. But he's a young, yeah. <laughs> I think he's 26 years old. It yeah. comes down to two candidates, and obviously the more people can ask questions of them, even to them directly or just out loud rhetorically, yeah. I think we're better off because, quite frankly, the news media around here, other than the World Herald, and I'll give credit where it's due, most of them don't do that, and I think somebody needs to be the one to do that. And cool. Clearly, I have no shame when it comes to calling out the mayor on anything. Yeah, so, yeah. If, so. you, if you follow Steve on Twitter, you'll know that um, quite a bit. Um, so hopefully, um, it sounds like, you know, I think this was a good opportunity to kind of give a little bit of our background, yeah. a little bit of Steve's background, um, and uh, hopefully have him on again and hopefully talk some more of those local things and, um, you know, uh, kind of have a place to discuss uh, different ideas. Uh, maybe you like the fact that both of us lean a little bit towards the left and hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll like that part and you'll find some kindred spirits. But even if you're the opposition, and I hate to say that, but even if you have an opposing view, I should say, um, both of us are not for attacking the person. Um, we just want to get ideas Come and stuff with like that out there. Ideas. I mean, yeah. there's nothing better than a, than a, a well-directed discussion of opposing views. Yeah. Because ultimately, I mean, and just get off the soapbox on and off the soapbox quickly here at the end of the show, what politics is all about is where we agree. Yeah. So the way you start is figuring out where we don't agree. Right. We, we, we won't ever get past these points. But what are the things? It's not going to be 100% There's both There's a consensus ways. on something. There, there's got to be some points yeah. in the middle where we agree on. And the way you find that is what you disagree on first to figure out where you agree. And we've lost that in American politics. Everybody just wants to disagree. When ultimately, right. I would say 80% of the country is somewhere in the middle that says, well, I don't necessarily agree. Right. But I would be cool with this. Factions and teams yeah. and tribes and that kind of stuff. So no tribe here. Radio nowhere is, right. is uh, very appropriate. Um, you know, just no, and 
and it, you know our idea is that we no topic is off limits naked chicks the taco trucks yeah so uh, on Let's that, have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're for Yeah, we're that. all for um, So I'll, I'll leave you guys with that. Um, again, I've been Ryan, and um, this is... You got Steve Gates, also Steve known Gates. as Scuba Steve, depending on what we're talking about and where the venue is. Thank you very much. Oh, anytime. Pleasure. All right.